Hi everybody, welcome back. I'm so glad to be back after a week of losing my voice. And although I may sound hoarse, I want to talk to you about an important topic, which is correction of student behavior. So I want to throw some ideas out to you and have you think about ways that work and may be more effective than others. And what I'm talking about is correction of student behavior in an efficient, effective, and non-judgmental manner as possible. And I want to start out by talking about how every teacher will wind up needing to correct student behavior. Of course, the ideal is to prevent student misbehavior and we should have many programs in place. Maybe you are using PBIS, Positive Behavior Intervention Supports, or restorative practices, or positive discipline, or perhaps your grade team has a good idea for a overall school discipline program, your school, and your own classroom expectations. But sometimes our students fall short of that, and they may misbehave in minor ways, and or perhaps in uh, bigger ways they may hurt themselves in terms of self-sabotage and do things that are not helpful. They may disrupt the classroom or distract others. And certainly there will be students who will violate class rules. We know that how we respond to students makes a difference. But what I think happens often is that we are often not aware of correction techniques that may be better than others. So when negative behaviors occur in a classroom in, or in a naturalistic setting, such as a common space, there are four different ways that I'm going to talk about that we respond to students. And of course, there are dozens of other ways, but I'm just going to focus on these four and ask you to think about which are the ways that work best for you. And this will be kind of an interactive talk and that'll stop and I'll ask you to think about which situations work better than others and which techniques work better than others in certain scenarios. So the first way of dealing or responding to misbehavior is to go over the classroom rules again and to point to the rules and we do this in different ways. Some of us point to the rules or review the rules. Perhaps we have a visual in our classroom and point to a poster or have the students open their notebook to a section. Perhaps we have some sayings um, that students can repeat. Uh, the second way that we think about is to aim the uh, Talk, talk about the rule to the whole class rather than to address the student who's not engaging in following the rules. So we might say, everybody, this is what we need to do. We need to be on task. Okay, so that's the second way. And this way has worked for me in many instances. And think about what, the times that this has worked for you and the times that this may not work. 
The third way is to ignore the behavior. And I hear teachers and teacher candidates telling me about this all the time. And I'm going to go into this in a little uh, bit. But think about instances in which this works. This is often called willful ignoring of a behavior or not paying attention to it and maybe praising a different behavior. So um, the fourth way, which is my favorite way, is to find a correction method for addressing the behavior and doing it in a way that is positive and non-judgmental and inclusive. And this may be uh, direct in that you do it in the moment and immediately, which of course is always good because the student can correct the behavior, but to do it in a way that doesn't uh, rile up the student or cause another misbehavior is quite, um, it takes a little bit of practice. And another way is to, of course, to handle the behavior in a private corner while students are working or to ask the student to stay after class or if the behavior is more frequent and the behavior is more intensive, we may need to handle this with a behavior plan or to meet with a counselor or call a parent. So we're going to speak more about behaviors that are minor for the sake of the first part of this um, episode. So I'd like to throw out a scenario to you and have you think about how the teacher in the scenario handled the particular uh, misbehavior. It's going to be a very minor misbehavior, but it's one that we're all familiar with. So here's the scenario. I'll call the teacher Miss Parsons. So Miss Parsons is teaching a self-contained special education class, and her class it consists of students with learning disabilities, and they have IEPs. The students also have behavioral uh, learning differences and also have other health impairments, such as some of the students have ADHD uh, and may also see a uh, speech therapist for speech and language um, therapy. So keep that in mind. And the reason I'm choosing this particular scenario is because all of us at some point are going to teach students who have disabilities or and diverse learners. So it's a different kind of dynamic that I think fits this scenario. So Miss Parsons has really healthy routines in her classroom, but there may be some instances where the corrective techniques are not as helpful or as effective as they could be. So listen for that. So students are told to put their pencils down, look up at the smart board, and listen for directions. They are also told to hold their questions until after directions have been read. As the steps of the directions are being read and the project is being explained, a student in the back row named Allison asks a question. She does not raise her hand. Miss Parsons continues 
and no sooner than a minute into the explanation, Allison calls out again. This time, she asks a different question. Miss Parsons takes a different tactics and asks students to wait until they are finished. Miss Parsons then decides to add to the rules and review another rule, which is to raise a quiet hand when you have something to say. She finishes reading directions and manages to get through this without another uh, immediate disruption. But I want you to think about this before we go on to the next segment. Although the disruption was diverted, was the situation resolved? Why or why not? Was the misbehavior, even though it was minor, was it addressed? Were the behaviors corrected? Did the student get what they needed? In this case, did the student Was the student given clear and explicit directions on how to behave? Should the teacher have done so? Or should the teacher have moved on? Furthermore, did the teacher inadvertently give the student mixed messages? So think about that for a moment. Now let's take the situation a step further because this happens in a typical classroom. Miss Parsons has everyone's attention and is ready to move on with the lesson. She's teaching a reading lesson. As the lesson progresses, she stops to ask the class a question. It's a reading comprehension question. She asks the students to respond. She waits patiently for her hands to go up. While waiting for responses, only one student answers. And you can well imagine who the student is. It's Allison, and Allison does not raise her hand. Instead, she calls out the answer. The discussion goes on. Miss Parsons asks for students who have not volunteered to pitch in. A few students raise their hands, but reluctantly. Miss Parsons in the moment realizes that the, the discussion is not going as well as planned. Allison finally puts her hands up, puts one hand up. But Allison does not wait to be called on. Instead, she calls out the answer. Have you seen this situation in your class? I have. I bet we all have had it. But reflect for a moment. What happened and did it relate to the last segment? Did it relate to the introduction of her lesson? And if so, how? Now, Miss Parsons thinks to herself about this dilemma after the class is over. She thinks Allison is not a bad student and she realizes that Allison simply can't wait to share her answers. She realized that other hands were not going up and that Allison frequently goes in to rescue the silence. 
The teacher then reflected on how she scanned the room and asked others to join in. She realized it was too late and that she didn't build in something into her routine, but on the positive side, Allison not only provided the answer, she also elaborated on it. And Miss Parsons realized that Allison was happy with herself and she had a smile on her face because she was participating. Others were silent. Miss Parsons also thought about her body language, her motives, and so on. And she also realized that she praised Allison for her participation. Now reflect on this. Was this a good idea to praise Allison for her participation? Did Miss Parsons inadvertently reinforce negative behavior? Did not mentioning the rules work for her or against her? Miss Parsons also reflected on Allison's motivation. If she would have stopped her, would have quelled, would it have quelled her motivation? She thought about the very nature of the behavior and considered whether it was a major infraction or not, considered whether it was worth the effort to struggle with Allison. She realized that Allison was anxious about the assignment and realized she also was pushing through to get through this lesson. She realized that her choice to continue the lesson may or may not have been helpful. In the grand scheme of things, she wondered if it was worth thinking about. She realized this behavior is not new for Allison or other students in her class. She knows and understands their impulsivity, especially Allison's. She's reviewed her IEPs. She also realizes the positive side that Allison is indeed more vocal than other students, and this is how she learns. But she also realizes that Allison has a hard time waiting to be called on. Think about and reflect on the problem at hand. The problem is that the student not only shared her answer, but continued to call out. And it didn't happen just once, but it happened a few times. Now, there are many ways to look at this situation and how the behavior was corrected and if it was indeed corrected. On one hand, it's positive to recognize that Allison is bright and wants to participate. On the other hand, this behavior will certainly continue and possibly even get out of hand. This minor dis distraction should be able to be handled with a polite request, but was the correction done completely and fully? Did Allison indeed understand the rules? We think that she might, but it's good to consider whether she understood the rules or not. Did Allison know how to bypass the rules? And if so, what can the teacher build in to make sure that that doesn't happen for not just Allison, but for all the students? Were the rules important to Allison? Yes, the teacher thinks that maybe it's a minor distraction, but if she's going to make a rule, maybe there's a reason to be consistent with the rule. If the teacher doesn't feel that the rule is important, then others won't realize it's important either. 
We'll get to that later. The other possibility is perhaps Allison doesn't have a strategy to know how to regulate herself in these situations. Even if Miss Parsons gets Allison to raise her hand, Allison needs to understand the reasons why she should wait her turn. If she doesn't fully understand why students must raise their hand, what is important about the format of the class or why there are class rules in terms of not just rules for rules sake, but how to treat one another, she's going to continue to do the same thing over and over again. After all, it was reinforced. Instead, why doesn't the teacher reinforce when Allison does wait to be called on? So this is something you want to think about in the correction process. Maybe Allison should think about how to understand herself and how to sit tightly and wait to be called on. But this has to be taught. Even if under, if, if the rules are understood, Allison may need to feel uh, acknowledged. She may need to be called on right away because she's fearful of not being called on at all. So the teacher needs to build trust. She needs to make statements that let Allison know that she will be called on and that if she waits, she will get positive praise for waiting. She also needs to let Allison know that other students also need to be called on. And she also needs to give Allison some strategies to regulate her behavior. We also need to look at the whole picture and think about Allison's age and maturity level and whether she needs more correction, repetition, and praise to complete this um, behavior that we want her to accomplish. All of these uh, strategies are excellent strategies for having Allison have explicit behavioral correction rather than general behavioral correction. Again, this may be a minor behavior problem, but it may build up to bigger problems later. Why? Because we'll get to that later. One strategy that I don't recommend is willful ignoring of minor behaviors such as this one. Willful ignoring has a place. Maybe if a student is constantly uh, engaging in a behavior and we want to pick our battles or maybe the behavior is one that it's ignoring it will make it go away but in this case it's virtually impossible to ignore a behavior that will repeat itself day after day after all if a student calls out and a teacher doesn't correct the behavior the student's going to feel that it's okay to call out and the same is true for other minor behaviors. To ignore it means that there's no real plan to correct it or no process or place to do so or that it's not even important. So I would take it ignoring out of the picture for this particular situation. Another uh, 
factor to keep in mind is that different teachers have different thresholds of what they consider disruptive. And we talked about that in this um, Ms. Parsons' reflection, when she starts to reflect on whether this behavior is important or not, uh, she's got a maybe a bigger threshold for tolerance of behavior, but other students are also watching. They're watching to see if a teacher addresses the behavior or not. Other students notice how a teacher handles a minor situation, such as calling out. They may not be upset by this particular situation, but in a situation where a teacher does ignore something that is a more escalated behavior, students get the message that the classroom may not be safe. They might feel a cognitive dissonance when a teacher ignores the rules that they put into place. I'm not saying a teacher always has to address every behavior in every moment. That would be too much. But in certain situations, if you're going to if you're going to teach students rules, and there's got to be a need to enforce them and enforce them consistent, consistently. And students notice that. Students will take notice when a behavior is not being addressed, and if the behavior continues, students may feel unsafe and comfortable tell their parents about it or tell an administrator about it. And uh, one rule in behavior management is to try to handle the behaviors at the teacher level first. We don't want to bring a third party into it unless it's necessary. So the deeper questions in this scenario are, of course, why the student is acting out or calling out, even though it's a minor behavior, whether the routines are in place, which they are, but the bigger question here is whether the correction method is working and what can be improved upon it. So some general tips are, whenever possible, identify and name the behavior. Tell the student exactly what they're doing or tell the class exactly what they're doing and tell them why you want them to change the behavior. Ask a student to stop or take a different approach. Provide a replacement behavior and always explain more about the behavior. So we want to tell the student, for example, how changing this behavior will be benefit the class and themselves. For example, Ms. Parsons can tell Allison how much she values her willingness to share and she will certainly call on her later. Then she could follow it up by telling her that it is important that all students get a chance to share. In many cases, all students want to be heard. We don't want to create a situation where students are fearful to speak up. We want to let Allison know that she definitely will be heard. We want to let students know that all voices are valued in the classroom. When students know that eventually they will get attention, they will feel less anxious about it. This is true for other minor behaviors, not just calling out. When a, when a student is acting out, the most natural thing to do is ask a student to follow the rules and point them out 
ask the class to follow the rules, and not single a student out. But when it is called for, corrective behavior must be swift, do no harm, and not be critical. It must be purposeful. Again, when possible, find, create, or provide a reason for the correction. Ask questions whenever possible. So if you decide to meet with a student one-on-one -on -one in a quiet corner or after class, instead of telling them about their behavior, identify the behavior and ask them a question. What could you do, Allison, instead of calling out? Or what do we want to do when we want to share an answer or have a question? How we respond to students can make a difference. It's a good idea to have general awareness about the way you respond to students. I do the same thing all of the time, even though I teach on the graduate level. It's a good idea to notice your tone of voice and whether you use commands, requests, or questions. Notice whether this style is working in the short term or in the long term. For example, a command is good for a short-term response. So if a student is doing something dangerous, we might want to tell them something in a more commanding tone. If a student is breaking a minor rule or committing a minor infraction, we might want to use a request and remind them to follow the rules. If a student is more receptive, of course, we're going to ask them a question and have them learn to reflect for themselves. If behavior is more frequent, intensive, or it doesn't get better, we want to create an individual plan of action just for that be behavior and that student. And that can be done outside of the classroom, prefer preferably with the student themselves and asking them for input, helping them to regulate their behavior, or if need be, working with the parents, the guardians, or a counselor. I really appreciate the time that you took to listen to this podcast, and I hope you will find some answers in this podcast and think about ways that you can correct behavior effectively, efficiently, and non-judgmentally. Have a great day.